I want you to walk through an imaginary orchard with me. Um, I want you to imagine, or I'm going to just do my own imagining and maybe you'll, you know, sort of come along with me. We're walking into an orchard and we see a whole lot of beautiful, healthy, big green trees. We see flowers all through these trees. We see a stream running through the orchard. Very interesting. Because the fruit on the trees are different types of fruit. It's not an apple orchard. In fact, they're not apple trees. These are trees that have, you know, blueberries and grapes and apples and plums and pears and cherries. What's your favorite fruit? Bananas on the same tree. And you're going, what is going on here? I'm going, what is going on here? As we see oranges and tangerines and grapefruits and lemons and limes all coming from the same tree. Okay, it could be a whole lot of grafting going into one branch, but there's not a whole lot of grafting happening. This is just an organic, natural tree that's producing these, all these different types of fruit. Then as we look around, we see other trees that are barren. And they're kind of wilting, and they don't have fruit. They're drying up, they're dying. And then in our imagination, we see a gardener. Aha, let's talk to him about this. What is going on here? The gardener is looking after the trees and uh, having a, 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 quite an enjoyable time. The tr- the, and by the way, I think there are a whole lot of birds in these trees um, eating up the fruit. And so we ask him, what's, what's going on? Why the dried trees and why the healthy trees? And he begins to explain, well, there are, these trees have choices. You know, maybe like um, Lord of the Rings, the trees walk. Uh, or maybe the trees, by the decisions they make, shift the soil underneath them. They all start with the same access to the stream. But trees, these trees can make decisions and they shift the soil and it hardens up between them and the stream and they start to get further away. And the gardener says, if a tree shows the possibility of life, I will find a way to dig a trench over there and get them onto the water system so that the stream will go by them and they will begin to flourish again. And then the gardener explains that they have a taproot, these trees, that are rooted into three taproots each. And they are taproots of faith, hope, and love. There's a, a, a passage that, that sort of speaks to this, and that's in Psalm 1. I, I brought my Bible only to illustrate that these are actually from here, but it'd take me too long to find them in there, and I might read the wrong place. So. And it's too small, I, I noticed. But I, I, I wrote them out. So uh, Psalm 1, blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers. It's a good list of things to know not to do. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, not stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight 
is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do prospers. I've titled this message, Choose Life. And that is my invitation to us this morning to choose life. Our series this fall is Abundant Life. Our series after Christmas is Giving Life. Um, I, we chose, we settled on giving life. Abundant life, I think, is, is self-explanatory. And, and the picture comes actually from um, Ethan Stewart, who said he came into my office in the spring, six months back, and he said, Mark, I have this picture of the prairie emblem, the prairie logo, and a, a fruit of the Spirit on the end of each of those tines. And he said, I think that's kind of what I'm seeing around this campus. Okay, well, let's not go that far because we're kind of still broken. Uh, but maybe that's our aspiration, is that our campus would breathe love and joy and peace. And it would flow out of our logo and out of our lives in this way. And so this idea came from Ethan Stewart, and he is coming to bring next week's message. Um, and then after Christmas... Uh, we're going to be talking about giving life, and we're going to do what we haven't done in, in quite a long time, and that is a one-book study. So we've taken the book of 1 John. And I think it's not unfair to that book to say that book is about giving life to the people around us. It's the book that, that might be called Centered Around Love, but it's all about giving life, I think. Um, anyway, we're, we've already sort of outlined it, and we're going to start populating that speaker list. And, um, and so the whole of this year is about life. And I want to encourage us, I want to encourage you to choose today to choose life. Make that decision today. We will choose life this year, life that we'll be unpacking through the fruit of the Spirit. So what are the fruits of the Spirit? Interestingly, Galatians 5, and 23, which ties mag magically with our year, 22-23, our uh, love, joy, peace. Now, most of the time when we get to this list, we kind of go love, joy, peace, da-da-da-da-da, right? You know, you kind of forget about the rest. We're going to go slowly this time, through them, love, and unpack that, and joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and goodness, and faithfulness, and self-control, and generosity. These, you might say, are the fruits that hang from the tree of life that we have. These, each of us are these trees, and out of us comes this fruit. Now, Galatians uh, chapter 5 begins with the importance of freedom, freedom that comes in the Spirit, because Paul is talking to a church that has become quite legalistic in its posture, and what they're doing is they're trying to go back to the Hebrew traditions and trying to protect these, uh, you know, 3,000-year-old 
traditions that have been, that have been handed down from Moses. And uh, these people are, you might say, better Christians than those who are walking away from those great traditions. And, you know, so they, they include sacrifices and they include circumcision and they include all kinds of things that have, Paul has said, we're putting those aside in favor of law, of grace. Now, so, so we go from freedom that comes from being free of the law because we're actually living above the law. We're living better than the law. I'm going to illustrate that in just a second. And we do this, he goes on to say, to live by the Spirit. And that's where we find these lists. The acts that are natural, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness and orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is. And then he finishes the list that I did already. Against such there is no law. You see... There is the law, you shall not murder. What's the answer? You will love. And it's not, you shall not murder, you know, cut them up, but leave them living. No, no, you're going to love. And in that way, you're never going to even think about murdering. And in fact, you'll be going, the promise of the commandment is, you will not murder. It's a promise. It's also a commandment. But you can flip that and make it such a a winsome statement because of love. You will not have idols because you will love the Lord your God. All of the commandments get replaced by these fruits of the Spirit. And it's in this we live. And N.T. Wright, um, who helped me a lot with my thinking in this book, After You Believe, which was loaned to me by James. I'm thinking I'll steal it. Uh, It's a very good book. But he's got a couple of chapters in here on renewal of the mind and the virtues that come together with uh, those tap roots, faith, hope, and love. And so I, as I was thinking about it, I just thought this, the tap root at the bottom of our tree feeds all of this and the spirit is the stream that rolls by and keeps us well watered. The vices that are listed there are soul-sucking. The vices are selfish. They're spirit-killing, life-sucking, and life-limiting. And yet we do them. And so we need to make decisions that, you know, we're not going to get it right. We're not going to get it perfect. But we're gonna, as we walk along the way, we can be going, okay, that wasn't good. There are two passages that Paul wrote. One was about um, grieving the Holy Spirit and quenching the Spirit. I don't know quite how to true those two up. Maybe they're the same thing, just different words. Or maybe they have different applications. In my mind, I've sort of defined them as um, grieving the Spirit is something that I do in myself. I do something that's wrong, maybe when it's one of the vices, um, and I have grieved the Holy Spirit in my life. Quenching, I know, I can do quite handily on others. I can stomp on them. I can stomp on their feelings. I can cause them to shrivel in their space. And we all do it. 
And we might be quenching God's own spirit in that person, and we need to be careful. Because instead, everything around the Christian should flourish. Every person around the Christian should flourish. And so we should be building each other up. But that's the vices, and what they are is vices that hold us in their grip. And they cause us to shrivel up, and they cause us to head more and more toward death. Alternatively, Paul says to the Galatian church, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and kindness and generosity and goodness and patience and self-control. Okay, on self-control, let me make this point. These are not Spirit-given like the gifts of the Spirit. The Spirit doesn't just say, okay, you got it. Sometimes he gives us the opposite to help our patients grow. Self-control says these are things that we have to step into, that we need to work on ourselves. And as we work on them, the Spirit feeds it. And the people around us encourage us in it. And we watch people around us grow, and we feel this feeling of amazing fulfillment. Now we are meaningfully contributing to our human communities. And against none of these are laws. In fact, you can get rid of the laws because you're not going to need them as you live in these virtues. Healthy fruit requires connection to Christ. It's in our personal lives. It's in our Bible reading. It's in our podcasting. And it's in the people that we have around us. We need to foster those things. It requires pruning. We need to stop doing some things ourselves. That's what self-control might be about. I will stop doing X. I will stop doing Y. I will not do that anymore with God's help. Now he steps in and says, okay, I can help you with that choice. But he doesn't just necessarily drop it on us and say, you're not going to want to do that anymore. We're called to do part of this ourselves. So it, it, it requires, healthy fruit requires nurturing, choosing to grow, choosing to have life ourselves, choosing to give life, which is part of the pattern for how to get life. It's in our rhythms and routines. It's in the community we have around us. And here it is. It's in surrender. It's in surrender. We turn to God and say, I don't know what I'm doing but I trust you with it. Help me out. Help me to turn to you when I need that help. Give me the words I need for each person as they walk in. Give me the heart for the person that you want to show them. I surrender my life to you, and I look forward to you helping this fruit grow in my tree. Bring your Holy Spirit by my tree so that I can bring life to others. Jesus and John, and I I think it's intriguing that Mark began by reading from John 1 because I've got a a small series of John passages here that I want to just touch on briefly. But Jesus says some interesting things about life with him. In John 7, he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And then he carries on. And out of him will flow rivers of living water from within. 
Now, John needed to explain this. Remember, John wrote this book in, when he was older. James or Justin, when was John, the book of Gospel of John written? Seventy or eighty, uh, maybe fifty years, forty years after Christ was on Earth, that type of space. The, it wasn't a gospel that was written immediately after, as a recording of historical events. This one has much more philosophy built into it. It has much more of John's reflections built into it. So John explains because he's going. Jesus said this. It was crazy because it it was tied to. Um, a, a ceremony that was happening in the temple, and that's the, drawing, the water drawing ceremony, which is an amazing event, and I invite you to find out more. But in this, we've got John's now explaining it. When Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink, he was reframing the whole thing. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit, which had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. By this, he meant the Holy Spirit. Forty years later, John understood. Probably sooner than that. But the lights came on when the Holy Spirit was given in Acts 2, is my guess. Wow, okay, I get it. Now suddenly God is living in us by his Holy Spirit. And now suddenly we are going to do and do are doing things that are greater than Jesus did because he said we would. Why? Because he's in the throne room of the universe and we've got the Holy Spirit, his spirit, and the spirit of the Father living here within us. Jesus said, if anyone thirsts, come to me and drink. Then Jesus, in the next chapter, probably the same day, that evening, said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not, never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. That's John 8, verse 12. So the verse was John 7, 37 to 39. And then John 8, verse 12. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Again, this was tied to the lighting ceremony that was part of Sukkot. Amazing, spectacular event. The lighting of the candles in the temple, which were on 70-foot height uh, poles. And all of Jerusalem was lit by these uh, candelabras. And Jesus says, um, yeah, just, you can put them out. I'm, I'm that light that this was forecasting. Completely radical. And Jesus said in John 10, so walking forward, in John 10, verse 10, I have come that you may have life, that they may have life, and have it abundantly. All of this is part of God's abundant life plan. Humanity at its finest. That's what God, that's what Jesus wants for us. God, through Jesus, wants for us. Later in John 15, Jesus was explaining this was more to his disciples. I am the vine. My father is the gardener. Now you get the picture. You know, I'm kind of doing a little bit of a pull from Psalm 1 and a little bit of pull from John 15 and tying it into um, Galatians with Paul. I am the vine. You are the branches. My Father is the gardener. Remain in me and you will bear my fruit for my Father's glory. All of this is all about God and doing what he wants so that we can 
spectacularly thank him with our lives, with what we do. Verse, that's John 15, verses 1 to 8. Verse 9 says, remain in my love. You see, it's out of love that God created the earth, the whole universe. That was the foundation. That was the eternal spring. And out of his love came light in creation. And then out of light came life. Light came life. And that's what we're called to. I think if we were to focus on anything that speaks to love and light and life, we are doing, we're making good choices. And so I invite you to think about what am I doing? Is this something that brings love? Or does it bring light? Or does it bring life to the people around me? And as it does, we too will enjoy a growing prosperity, a growing flourishing. I think that's a better word um, because someone uses the word um, whatever they do prospers. I think, you know, we've now taken that into a sort of a prosperity gospel. This is about a flourishing life. This is about living life to the fullest, John 10, the abundant life. And so let's choose today to choose life this year. Let's make that our direction. And as we see things that we do that cause someone to shrivel or bring some element of, of self-death, let's turn and say, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore, God. Let's walk away from the dark side and let's walk toward light. Let's choose life. I want to close with just this little benediction. It's um, mostly taken from Romans 15. I've, I've adjusted a little bit in, in ways that I, I don't think are material, but it's, I couldn't find the right translation, so it's a Maxwell translation. <laughs> but let me, I wonder if you'd stand with me and I'll just close in prayer. This is Romans 15, verse 13, with a couple of little adjustments that I've made. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Jesus so that you may overflow with hope and love by the power of the Holy Spirit. Our Father, we pray that you would give us sensitive antenna to you. I pray that you would bring our hearts alive this year. I pray that you would show us ways that we can honor you and encourage people around us. And I pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit so that we will overflow with the fruit of the Spirit. Show us the things that we can do. Help us with the things that we can't so that we can do this for the glory of God. So the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. And the Lord turn his face toward you and give you his peace. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Have a great day.